Hey, everybody. Welcome to Coffee Talks with Mike, episode 36. And today is going to be another sermon talk back. I preached on Sunday, so um, just want to give you a little glimpse into some of the stuff we're working on um, for that. I've had a crazy few weeks, and uh, some of the diehard people will notice that there was no episode last week. It's because my computer crashed, because um, nobody cares about how you feel when it comes to Microsoft forcing their updates on your computer, even if they break your computer. And so I've been spending the last week and a half trying to get as much of my stuff back as possible. Um, luckily, I've got most of my stuff saved on the drive and the cloud and all the other electronic things. Um, I, I don't watch the show Space Force with Steve Carell, but I did see, see a clip with him and John Malkovich. And there, I guess they're like, you know, in the space station talking about this, you know, satellite or something, and they need to change its course before it crashes. And the guy's like, oh, no, Microsoft is forcing its annual update on us, and I can't do anything for the next 49 minutes. And they're like, when's it going to crash? For like 11 minutes. We're like, freaking Microsoft. So that, that felt very real for me when I saw that yesterday. Um, but with all that being said, I've got Zoom downloaded. It'll probably get deleted somehow in the next day or two, but I'll just continue to download Zoom every week and do new episodes. And now I guess now you're seeing how the sausage is made. That's how I do these recordings. I just kind of go into a meeting alone. I have the camera off. I don't look at myself, but record the episode and then upload the audio, which brings me to my next point, which is that because I was on Anchor, which is the platform I use to get this podcast out everywhere, um, because I was there early, um, they're allowing a certain number of people to start doing video podcasts and not just audio. Now, this would only be for the Spotify listeners, but um, if that's of interest to you, can you text me and let me know or email me? Or I'm assuming everyone at this point is someone I know personally. If not, then, you know, send something by Carrier Pigeon. Um, but just let me know what you think about that. Uh, I'm happy to not do video in a lot of ways. It'd be way better not to. Um, but I know some people would love that probably. So if enough of you want that, then maybe we'll experiment with that. Um, a couple other cool things going on in my life. Um, uh, we're building this evening worship service at our church, which is kind of a replacement for this old contemporary worship service we had back before COVID. And it's a new thing entirely on its own. And for people that know what it's like to be in a primarily um, or predominantly traditional church, this contemporary service, it's got like a full band, full lights, you know, the whole deal. So it's, it's a big deal because this doesn't often happen in these kinds of atmospheres. And so regardless of what happens with it, the fact that we're experimenting with it and giving space for people to express themselves is really exciting. And one of the components we put into it back in November when we first started, or October actually, um, is that we want to have people, you know, speaking, not just pastors. And so for each of these services, we've had different themes and we've had one adult and one teenager speak. So we've done a theme about worship through music. We did one about doubt and struggles with doubt. We've done one about justice. And so um, it's been so cool to hear from these different people and their perspectives and their stories. Because uh, especially in Presbyterian churches, we, you, we often don't create spaces for people to share stories. And 
when we do, people are so accustomed to not sharing their story that they don't actually want to when they have the opportunity. So it's been cool to kind of nudge people in that direction. And um, I was just so moved last night or Sunday night, I should say, by the teen that spoke, which, you know, she's great. But the first line, she introduced her name and said, and I'm not supposed to be here. Or at least that's what I thought for a long time about church, because she's someone that didn't start going to church until she was 12, 13 years old. And she started going with her friend and her friend's family just to random events. And then she went to a camp. And then, I mean, statistically, this is bonkers that that happens. And like every stat says, if, if someone hasn't started going to church before they're like seven or eight years old, you've probably lost them eight to nine times out of 10. Um, and that's not to say that God is not working in their lives, but more so to say that it, statistics usually don't lie. Now, there's nothing worse than someone that like only quotes statistics about whether or not someone played a good game of football or basketball or any kind of sport statistics don't tell the full story and that's the other piece of that with that stat about you know eight to nine ten eight or nine times out of ten saying that if someone's not in the church at a young age then they'll never join the church what that doesn't say is that people still have experiences with god and that people still have devout faiths it's just not developed in the church it can they can come around to that later but more often than not that doesn't seem to be the case so just hearing that teen, um, I, I printed her talk for her um, and I saw that first line. I was like, oh, I don't want to read anything else because I was just so um, drawn to it. And I, I've had the pleasure of knowing her since that story began. And so um, anyways, that's been really life giving for me working on this uh, worship service. And I'm working with this awesome musician who's just one of the most thoughtful people I know. Um, and so more ways than I can count. Um, it's just an amazing team. It's not just him. Like he and I have been planning a lot, but like, it's crazy. It's crazy. If, if you are in the Pittsburgh area and you want to check it out, reach out to me. Um, definitely check it out. It's cool. Um, I'm not just saying that cause I'm doing it. So now I'm rambling. I haven't even started talking about anything important. It's important to me though. Uh, I, uh, Rob Bell has this, uh, thing that he says on this podcast anytime he's doing what i'm doing right now like oh sorry i went on a tangent oh no there are no tangents because apparently there's something in my brain that wants to get this out so it's not a tangent it's just part of me expressing what needs to get out so there you go it's the best excuse for going on tangents is saying there are no tangents um so that's the evening worship stuff and then i was able to preach and then oh i'm doing this um this Narnia series at the church, like, and I just had this realization. I had a crazy week, right? So I'm working on this evening worship service. I'm working on this, uh, my sermon, you know, preach two services, you know, prepping for youth group stuff and stuff like that, like normal. And then I had to do this or got to do this, um, Narnia thing. So background is that every year at our church, um, barring COVID years, we've done what's called a Lenten soup supper. So throughout Lent, we get together and there's soups and it's like a potluck. Everyone brings a crock pot, a soup, not everyone, but you sign up to bring soup and you come and you try a bunch of different soups for like 30 or 40 minutes. And then there's a lesson. And then for the five weeks of Lent, we do a little lesson and we a study and we learn together. And um, my boss now 
for years was the person doing it before he worked at our church. And he's amazing at that. And he, he would do things about art or he'd do things about church history and somehow make them really, really fascinating and engaging. And, and so he was like, Hey, would you be willing to do this on something? I was like, yeah. What do you think about like Narnia? He was like, I love that. Let's do it. It's like, cool. And so I, I, you know, we're only doing five of the seven books cause we only have five weeks and I was working on this and it was great and just exciting. And before you know it, you, you put 10 hours into it. And then it, I just took a breath today because that was on Wednesday. And then I had to get through the weekend and I took a breath today and went, oh my gosh, I get paid right now to talk about Narnia and to talk about the gospel, you know, preaching and to help plan worship services to enable and empower people to share their stories. I'm in one of the most amazing situations I can imagine. And I'm not saying that to, you know, you all know, I'm not saying that to brag. It's just a moment of like immense clarity and, and gratitude. And man, I just felt overwhelmed by that today because I started, what made it dawn on me is that I was just so happy to be done with the weekend. And, and the biggest thing with Sunday was that it was also the spring forward with the time change. And so I was just totally in a daze. But um, as I was reading uh, Prince Caspian to prep for this week's Darnia series, I was just blown away. I was like, this story is so amazing. You know, so I'm reading it and writing notes, reading it, writing notes. And I got done. I'm getting kicked out of the coffee shop because they're closing at five. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I just spent, three hours of my work day working on this. This is awesome. Like, uh, and it's not always going to be this way. I get that there's seasons in life, but oh, it was so cool. So I don't know how long I've been talking, probably 10 minutes of just updates, but see, that's what happens when I miss a week of doing podcasts with you all. Um, it's kind of like if you don't vacuum every week, well, I actually never vacuum. That's my secret because I have hardwood floors. Um, but you, you understand the analogy, right? All right, let me just stop doing that and let's like actually get into the sermon talk back, which if you want to listen to the sermon, um, you can go to the, my website, mykramer.wordpress.com or check out um, my Spotify, which you should be able to find. There's a playlist called sermons and um, yeah, or you can go to our church website. And then if you're interested, okay, still doing updates, I guess. I've been trying to do this Narnia thing for a long time, and I've actually, I've kind of got a list, a catalog of what I'll call the lost episodes of this podcast, where I have recorded episodes and then hated how they turned out, and then I just never posted them with you all, because um, although I usually do these as best as I can in one take, and I just let it be, like, I I don't have a script, I'm just, obviously, I don't have a script, right, I'm just talking right now, Um, but when it comes to like certain content that I want to put out there and what I want to share with you all, Narnia is one of those things because Narnia has had such a massive impact on the way that I think about my faith. And I just love stories in general, but the way that story in particular hits me. Um, and so I, um, some of you know this, but I, I tried to record a Narnia podcast, like just going through like Lime Witch in the Wardrobe to start. And I finished it. And I was at 55 minutes and I was like, I guess I got to end it. You know, I ended it. I just went, 
man, I don't like how that turned out at all. Cause I, it was, it's weird trying to talk about it. Cause I didn't want to just talk about like major moments that I thought were awesome because although they are awesome, if you don't know the story, then you're just like, Oh, like, I guess that's a cool quote sort of. So I was like, okay, well, I kind of got to lay out the story. So do I lay out the, do I tell you the whole story in like 10 minutes and then go to those moments or do I do it all at once? And so I recorded two different podcasts about Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, and both of them just really were not good. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about it. Um, and so I'm still like trying to figure out this medium with the Lenten Soup Suppers where I'm using a PowerPoint and stuff um, to figure out how exactly I want to do that. But it does seem way better than what I had tried to do. So if you're interested in checking out the... Uh, the Narnia series, then go to swicklypresbyterian.com.org, um, whatever it is. Just Google it. You'll find it. Um, and you can tune in for that either live on Wednesday nights or the recordings will be up on Thursdays, I think. So there's only one up there at the time that I'm recording this in March. But yeah. So now that I'm like 10 to 15 minutes into updates and self-promotion, I preached on Sunday. So if after all this, you still want to hear a sermon from me, then you need to find a new hobby. But um, our, our, it was a fascinating Sunday um, to me because I'm a church history, churchy nerd, whatever. But it was fascinating because, okay, right now we're in the season of Lent. So like all the vestments and everything and stoles and whatnot are purple, right? We're in this particular time of the um, church calendar uh, for the liturgical season of Lent. And Lent is characterized by like remembering sin, finitude, death. It's very solemn. It's a time of penance. People give things up for Lent. So it's a form of fasting. I mean, Lent is not the happy time of year. And it culminates with the death of Jesus and then the resurrection at Easter. But Lent is not a happy time, typically. So on the one hand, we're in the middle of Lent. And on the other hand, our church is going through this um, year-long, fast, super-duper quick trek through the Bible from September to May using this curriculum called The Story. Now, The Story is built for like 12 months um, of the year, and I think it starts in January, but we started it in September and blah, 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 right? Um, so with The Story, we're actually now at Jesus's birth. And so we're at Christmas. So this week's text that I was preaching on needed to be about the birth of Jesus, but we're in the middle of Lent. Now, Lent, like I said, is not really exciting and happy, but Christmas is a time of immense celebration and joy. And so I was like, oh man, that, that is like a liturgical conundrum in some sense. And in another sense, it feels completely right. Like it, it is by definition, the paradox, like it's the liturgical paradox of like, how can it be like joyful and depressing simultaneously? How can it be like celebration and solemn, you know, sadness, I guess that, that's kind of not a good play on words there, but you know what I'm saying, right? And so as I was trying to think about it, I was looking at Matthew and I was, the text I was supposed to use were Matthew and Luke, which are the traditional Christmas stories. And I was like, man, I'm just not really feeling this, which is a horrible thing to say about the Bible, by the way. 
but again, I hope you know me well enough to know what I mean. It's just like, man, I don't, I don't know. Like, cause you're trying to think about like, not, not what do I want to say, but wh- what do I think that I can talk about and share about? Like, where do I feel the spirit leading? And I was just not feeling inspired whatsoever about the birth announcement to Mary or to Joseph or this, you know, the, the story with Herod or going into Egypt or the wise men, or I was like, man, these are powerful moments, but none of nothing is really, I don't know, resonating. And I don't, the worst thing I think a, a preacher could do is get up and just talk because you have to. And I know that there's a fine line there because you don't want someone that's going to get up and just talk because they have something they want to say, right? That's not what the pulpit is about. But it's also not a place where we take it for granted and just get up and talk because I'm just showing up to punch the clock. Here's the story. Amen. And so I was just thinking about it. And then it dawned on me. I was like, you know what? Let me look at John 1 because it's not the Christmas story, but it is a birth narrative, right? And and if you're not familiar with John 1, that's that famous passage of scripture. Um, In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Um, and it goes on and on and and it's that line in verse 14 and the word became flesh and lived among us or dwelt among us. Um, I was like, you know what, I'm going to go with that because the week last week, um, Derek was preaching about the end of the old Testament. Derek's my boss. If you don't know that, and he was talking about how the entire Bible, the old Testament and the new Testament can kind of be uh, uh, summarized with these two words, light and life. And about how like it's an awesome sermon. You should check it out. Um, so I'm not going to reiterate that here, but just think about that language of light and like what the birth of Jesus meant and how it was this inspiration. And, and it was this long awaited thing. That's what the season of Advent is, right? It's anticipation of the coming Messiah and savior. And so a lot of the language in John chapter one, um, is about Jesus being the light. So this is verse four in him was life and the life was the light of all people. Verse five, the light shined in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. And it says in verse eight, John the Baptist was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. Verse nine, the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. And so there's all this light language. And it talks about you know Jesus being full of grace and truth. And yet Moses gave us the law, but grace and truth came from Jesus and that no one has seen God, but, but the son has made God known. And I was like, oh yeah, now I'm feeling inspired because as I was thinking about like Christmas and Lent and how Christmas is celebration and Lent is not really celebration. We celebrate at Christmas, but Jesus's life wasn't really something we celebrate much beyond that. Right. And what I mean is like, obviously we're, we're so grateful for it and we learn so much and we talk about it, but it's not like Jesus lived his life as a King in the traditional sense. It's not like he walked around and people, you know, fell on their faces in front of him. That happens sometimes, but by and large, people viewed him as a normal teacher and then he'd heal people and they'd go, Hey, that guy can heal people. But apparently other people were claiming to be healers too. And people go, oh, that guy's a really good teacher. And they go, well, the Pharisees and the Sadducees are good teachers too. And then once Jesus started teaching in the public spheres, he started to get 
rejected and criticized and deemed a heretic by a lot of people too. And so I went that route to talk a lot, a little bit about a lot of that um, in my sermon. Um, but it was really driven by seeing the two sides of the coin, right? We, we see Christmas as this great celebratory moment, but much of what came after Jesus coming in the flesh was not celebratory. It wasn't exciting. It was hardship. On the flip side, Lent on the surface looks like it's a lot of not celebration, right? It's very solemn. It's suffering in some sense. And yet on the flip side of that, um, the end of Lent is what leads us to Easter. All of the darkness that we trek through in Lent is what leads us to resurrection and new life. So it's like, oh, okay, like you, you really can't have one without the other, right? And that makes sense on the simplest level that Christmas is the beginning of that story. Easter is not the end of the story, but kind of the completion of that in one sense. Um, but in another sense, it's like, wow, that's a 33-year split between those two moments, but so much happens in between. And sometimes I think we're, we're so fixated on how we think God should act and how our lives should be if we're faithful. And when we look at Jesus' example, he says things like, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you too. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness's sake. And we're like, yeah, well, I don't really want to be persecuted at all, though, <laughs> you know? And so we, we look at the example of Jesus, and it's not that life's going to be easier. In fact, it's that life's going to be harder, but it's going to be better. And like somehow the goodness and the the fullness of our lives will come about because of us trekking through the darkness of that journey. And so, you know, I was thinking about like this whole darkness thing. And one of the analogies I brought up was how, you know, there are a lot of people in, in the stories in the gospels that thought they were doing things the right way, right? The Jews were not the antagonists. The Jews were the people of God. They've been passing around the stories of scripture for all of their generations, just like we do in the modern church, right? Like we're a bunch of people that are devout and we follow God and we, we get together on Sundays and Wednesdays and whatever other days, tell each other about these stories we believe about Jesus, the Israelites, etc. So the Jews thought they were doing it right. And then there's the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Essenes and these other groups who were the religious experts right? They're the people that actually studied Torah and studied the Tanakh and studied these things and knew them like the back of their hands. So it's not like they woke up every day going, I can't wait to get it wrong. And that's us too. I think 95% of the time Christians in 2022 wake up and think, yeah, I, I want to live a good fulfilled life that pleases God. And yet we miss the mark completely half the time. And and of the, all the times we miss the mark, we're only aware of it half the time, right? Sometimes we mess up and we know it. Oh, I lost my temper. Oh, I said that thing. Oh, no. But a lot of times we don't even know how badly we're missing it. And those are the characters in scripture when Jesus is walking around, right? That Jesus starts to shine light in the darkness, but people don't like it. Because none of us like to be corrected. Like, and some people will say, oh, no, no, correct me. I want to know when I'm wrong. Yeah, that's something different, right? Wanting to know when you're wrong to be better. Yes, logically, we can all say we like that. No one likes the moment. 
Like that's like the people that are sadistic and say they just love pain, right? When they're working out. It's like, right. I mean, you can like the result of it, but if you have trained your brain to enjoy the pain, then that, that's not normal, right? Um, even if you're associating the pain with a good thing, it doesn't mean that the pain isn't painful, right? And so Jesus comes on the scene and remember John 1's language. Uh, he was the true light. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. Well, Jesus starts shining light and people aren't happy about it and to the point where they start plotting to kill him. And they're looking for opportunities to do that. And the, the way I was trying to describe that in the sermon, the big analogy I went with was that, you know, when, when we turn the lights out at first, like you can't see anything, but then your eyes start to adjust to the darkness, you know, like, obviously if it's like pitch black, pitch black, at a certain point, you can't see things. But in most cases, if you turn all the lights out in your house, there's light somewhere that allows your eyes to adjust to the darkness. And even though it's dark, you can kind of make your way through. And then you kind of get used to that too. And, and you know, different people live different ways. Like I don't have a whole lot of lights on in my apartment often, right? It's not a super bright place. And it, that's not because of an aesthetic attempt at something. It's just because I just, you know, I don't feel like buying more lamps. Um, but using the analogy or the metaphor, whatever proper term it would be, um, I guess it'd be a simile, wouldn't it? Because it's like, like or as is a simile. So my simile of, <laughs> of your eyes adjusting to the darkness, that what I was trying to nail there, and I don't, I don't think I did it the way I'd like to, but since I can ramble here a little bit, I was trying to nail down this idea that sometimes when we're living, like we get so used to darkness that we don't recognize it's darkness, right? So think about 2020 on, right? COVID hit in like February, March. And at first it was all jarring, but then we got to a certain point where it stopped phasing us when our plans would get canceled. And it stopped phasing us when um, your friend would get sick, where it stopped phasing you because it, it, it's not that it wasn't still serious. It's not that it didn't still hold emotional weight. It's not that it wasn't like significant. It's that we'd gotten so used to it that it's kind of like the uh, like the cynicism of just expecting the worst so that it doesn't surprise you. That's a byproduct of darkness. Right. Assuming things are just always going to go wrong. And to the point where it, it just doesn't phase you anymore. The world is full of that. Right. Like if there's not a negative story in the news cycle, then we would be more jarred by that, which, you know, in this simile would be light or good. It would be more surprising and jarring if there were good stories only on the news than if there were bad ones. Right. And 95% of the time, I'd say it's probably the, the, the case that the news is primarily negative. And then there's a sprinkle in of like a positive moment or, you know, a special interest story or whatever it is. But more often than not, it seems like the tone is darkness. So in the world around us, we are so desensitized to darkness. There's a war in the Ukraine happening. And after the second day, 
I no longer saw people posting on their social media about it as much. Some people do, but usually not. It took us like two days before the news cycle started running with it to talk about how we should go to war. We shouldn't go to war. We should set up no fly zones. We shouldn't. Oh, this is why the gas prices are high. No, they're high because, you know, Biden's the worst. People spin darkness so much because it doesn't even strike us as darkness anymore. It's just part of reality because our eyes have adjusted to it. And I'm not trying to say this. Maybe I am being idealistic, but I'm not trying to be. I'm, I'm trying to point to this fact that these things don't shock us anymore. And it's because it, it's just part of our lives. So that was the one piece. And, and I, I really, I spent 30, less than 30 seconds talking about this in the sermon. Um, the other piece I wanted to nail is like, once I've, we've established that, right, is that we're in a room and turn the lights out and our eyes adjust. On the other side, our eyes adjust to our own darkness, right? Like we don't recognize how quickly our, our patience runs out and how it wasn't always like that. It used, like five years later, you go, I used to be more patient, but usually you don't notice it week to week, right? It's a slow grind in the reverse, right? So I, it's a slow whittling away of patience, of empathy compassion, understanding, gratitude, graciousness, mercy. And because of it, like our eyes are adjusting in real time. The lights are slowly dimming. And it's like, huh. It's, it's to the point where we don't recognize our own worst qualities and we've lived with them so, for so long, we start to rely on, well, this is who I am. I'm being the most authentic version of myself, which to be very clear, you should be the most authentic version of yourself. Please do. Let's also own that the most authentic versions of ourselves aren't always great, right? I have to sneeze. I think I edited the sneeze out. If I didn't, sorry. Um, sometimes the most authentic versions of ourselves, right? Don't play pretend, but they're not always great. Right. I, I know that I can be better than I am and I want to be. It's different to say, like, God loves you where you are right now. Cool. It doesn't mean like you should just stay where you are forever. I mean, that it just seems like a juvenile perspective. And I don't mean it in the sense that like we need to get better every day to please God. And yet at the same time, like if we believe in sanctification on any level, if we believe in holiness on any level, if we believe that like you know, the language, like if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation, the old has passed away, all things are, are new or are becoming new, then there are some pieces of darkness in me that need to pass away. They need to die so that something good can come from that death. There are personality traits that I need to suppress. Like, I, it, it's such a cop-out answer to say, like, you're a mean person because you just say what's on your mind because you're just authentic. Like, yeah, you you should learn how to censor yourself. Like, it, it's not it's not good people skills. It's not good social skills. Like, yeah, maybe cultivate a habit of not lying, but it doesn't mean you say every terrible thing that comes to your mind all the time. But when we convince ourselves that this darkness that we live in is the norm, when we are so used to the darkness that it doesn't seem dark, 
it just seems like our everyday situation. Oh man, that's, that's dangerous. It's one thing when it's just in the world, right? And like we have to work on that kind of numbness that we have and we need to, to whittle away at that so that we can feel again and that we can have more compassion and not just turn the news off. There was a scene from that old movie, Hotel Rwanda, where, you know, it's this mass genocide taking place. And the person goes, how come this isn't on every news channel every night in the United States? The person goes, well, it's because it would go like everything else does. People would sit down for dinner, watch the news, go, that's horrible. And then go, well, so how was soccer practice? Someone I respect deeply in my life, like, and, and I'm sure he'll listen to this at some point, but we were just talking the other night over dinner and we just heard this terrible news about someone that I don't know. Um, and we talked about it for five or so minutes and then we kind of moved on and the conversation got a little jovial and, and he interjected and was like, Hey, I'm sorry. Can we just take five minutes? I'll put the timer on. I just want to ask, how do you, how do you do that? And I'm not being accusatory. I'm, I'm just genuinely wondering how do you switch from talking about something so dark and heavy and sad to talking about something happy and light. And, and I really had to think about that. And I still don't have a great answer. It's not like it's some like switch I hit in my head, but I think it's part of this, part of this notion where we just get used to the darkness so much that maybe it's an unhealthy coping skill of compartmentalizing, but we kind of go, Hey, oh, well, I can't dwell on that forever. Going to move on. Don't want to ruin the whole night. You know, I, I'm not really sure what it is, but I think part of it stems back to this, this idea that like, we just kind of get used to it so much. It's not new. It doesn't shock us. Um, I, I've been thinking about that a lot over the last two weeks. And it's just a strange thing to think about. Um, and I, I guess I'm, I'm thinking about this right now in real time, but like another analogy or simile we could use maybe it, my least favorite time of day to drive is at dusk right right before I, I love driving at night like any road trip i am happy to be the driver through the night seven o'clock to 4 a.m like whatever i don't know it, it's like uh, i don't want to like romanticize it but it's just like a cool time like it just feels quiet just i don't know putting on a good song or good album or good 10 albums, depending on how long you're driving. It just is great. But I hate, 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 double hate, loathe entirely. That's from the Grinch, by the way. I hate driving at dusk right between the light and the dark because your, your headlights don't really help you because it's like too light out but it's dark enough where your eyes are straining so that they can see. And I guess that's a fascinating idea to me because it's like, man, there's something about living at the precipice between, is that the right word? I don't think precipice is the right word. Standing between, you know, the transition space, the gray area, the whatever, man, precipice is such a cool sounding word. <sighs> standing between the light and the darkness, right? Where those two places meet, which is where I think human beings have to live, right? We have to live in tension with both things because the brighter the light, the darker the shadow it will, will cast. And you, you can't just have darkness either, right? So we live like real 
authentic human experience is living in between those two places. And I guess maybe that's why it's so hard. Driving at dusk is so hard because it, it's just so hard to see. So hard to see the right way to go and you can figure it out, but you never know. Like with, I guess Dawn would be similarly difficult, but am I about to make a turn and it's going to get darker or am I going to make a turn and it's going to get lighter? I think much of the um, kind of analogy and metaphor in scripture is about like the world being darkness, but we are called to be light. You are the light of the world. And so it's kind of like driving at night. And we talk about like the kingdom of God and it's the kingdom of light, but there's still darkness in each of us. I think the hardest place to live is in that in between where you can't tell if you're on the verge of going further into darkness or further into light. Um, maybe I'm beating this analogy dead. Um, but I don't know. As I was thinking about Christmas and Lent and how these things work together, just that and the, the idea of our eyes adjusting to darkness um, was really embedded in my mind. I was just thinking about how, man, there's nothing more dangerous for an athlete than for them to think that they've made it and they don't need to get better. Like Kobe Bryant, like however you feel about him as a person, um, amazing basketball star, um, definitely top five of all time in my opinion. But he said it was way easier when he got to the NBA than when, than when he left high school because people stopped trying. Like they made it to the NBA and they just went, oh, I'd made it. And they were still great, amazing players, top 1% of all time, you know, that will ever play the game. But it was just night and day different because in high school, everybody was fighting to make it. And Kobe never lost that drive. And I guess in our own lives, it's like, you know, if you think that you've achieved holiness or you're level 55 Christian or whatever, you know, analogy language is going to work for you. The moment you think you've made it, I, I don't know. I, I think it, it's hard. Cause I don't want to make it sound like, you know, faith is about becoming the best. That's not what I mean. But when we're honest with ourselves, we know that there's darkness in us. We know that the closer we get to the light, the worse the darkness will react to it. And the hardest thing to do is to admit that we have to let go of some of these dark parts of ourselves. So I'm going to keep rambling about this. So I'm going to, I'm going to stop it here. So this is all the kind of thoughts I were trying, I was trying to really consolidate and make into a uh, sensible, um, logical flow for the sermon um on sunday which you know it's amazing yeah I, I don't know if i've given a sermon and felt great about it but i don't know people said very nice things you never know if people are saying nice things because it was great or because they're being nice um there's nothing better than hearing someone say nice speech and leaving because you're like yikes that's speech speech just isn't a good word ever it just always sounds, <laughs> I was going to say that it always sounds preachy, which is really ironic because I'm talking about preaching. Huh. Language is so fascinating. All right. 
I'm going to keep rambling. Sorry. Thank you all for listening. It was a very long life update, and it was a long, not tangent, but long monologue explaining what I was thinking about for my sermon. So um, have a wonderful week. And wherever you go, think about which darkness are you numb to in the world and what darkness are you numb to in yourself and how can you change either? Go in peace.